Oh, that was incredible. Thank you. God bless you. Good morning, y'all. No, better than that. I'm family. You can talk to me. Good morning. Oh, that's wonderful. My name is Ben Mathis. If I've never met you, I have been a missionary of this church forever. And I hate it. Oh, it's over 30 years. That's so embarrassing to admit. You just wake up one day and all of a sudden there went life. It's just incredible. I have more fun than anybody I know. I work for Row R-O-W. That stands for Rivers of the World. We now serve from Vietnam and Cambodia, across Africa, Latin and South America, 20 different countries in a very broad-based ministry that is determined by the people we serve. So it's everything from academic research and nation building to basic one-on-one -on -one evangelism, church planting, health and education. It's incredibly exciting. I think in your bulletins today, you've got a copy of our row prayer. It's brand new, written by one of our trustees who wants to remain anonymous. It's really beautiful. Don't do it now, but when you get a chance, read it. And if you would, whenever you cross a river, please pray for the fact that there are folks serving on the rivers of the world. With that said, let's pray and then let's go to our text this morning. We'll be in the fourth chapter of Matthew, verses 18 to 22. Go ahead and open your Bibles up. I'll give you a second. And then let's pray together. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we ask that you clear our hearts and minds of the cares of this day. Let us come to your word expecting to be fed. For Jesus' sake, amen. As I mentioned, we're looking at Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. Let's listen to this wonderful word of God. As he, meaning Jesus, as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him, and this is the word of the Lord. Amen. All right. How did you get to church today? Did, did anybody walk? Has anybody lived so You walked to church. Oh, that's just as cool as it gets. And back in the back, somebody walked to church. Did anybody else walk to church? Who came on a bicycle? Anybody come on a bicycle this morning? How many of you came in a car? Go ahead and raise your hands. There you go. I was in Vietnam, which is a communist country. I was staying in the home of a pastor, and he said, we go church. He didn't speak much English, and my Vietnamese is rusty, I have to admit. He said, we go church. And I said, okay, that'll be fun. I thought we'd get on one of these little scooters or in a taxi and drive to church, and that would, be, that would be that. We walked out of his back porch, and instead of going over to get on the scooter, we went to the porch next door. It's a screen porch. We opened the door on one side, walked across the porch, opened the screen on the other side, and kept going to the next house. And we did that for four or five houses. Then we came out the back of someone's porch and we went down an alley and there was a gate. We opened the gate, we went through the gate, and there's another alley, we turned right. We went to that dead end, we turned left, and there are more houses with porches. And we started going through more porches. It was the strangest thing. We finally get to a porch and there's obviously a closet door. He stares at the closet door for a minute and then he opens it. It's about this deep and at the back of the closet, there are steps that go straight up. Now he, he is like a lot of people from Vietnam, he's not very big. I'm from Georgia, and like a lot of people, I'm pretty big. I thought, Lord, I can't get up there. 
But I'm going to climb straight up, and so he climbed straight up, so I'm going to climb straight up. I climb straight up, and we get into church. It's a tiny little church in the attic of this house. There are tiny little pews. There's a little pulpit. There's a little table, and there's a cross behind us on the wall. And I thought, what an incredibly special place to be. So I sat on one of the pews, waiting for everybody to show up for church. <laughs> sat there about 10 minutes, and nobody showed up. So I thought, well, maybe it's you know, two or more gathered. But I was kind of in a hurry to get going. We're here for church. Let's do church. Presbyterian, we don't wait well. Let's do church. <laughs> the door opens, and up comes someone coming up, up these little steps. And I thought, hallelujah, here they come. It's one fellow all by himself. He gets up there, and the other pastor hugs this man, and they sit down, and they start visiting, oddly enough, in Vietnamese. So I just sat there and smiled. I said, come on, let's, let's, let's get at this. Ten minutes goes by, and here comes somebody else. They climb up there, they do the same thing. They're all talking. I thought, okay, good. Well, there's three of us now. That's just great. I can't ever get started. Then. A little while later, here come three or four folks. And then it took over an hour. For about a dozen mainly men to show up in this little bitty church and finally one of them can speak English and he comes over and hugs me and says I'm so glad you're here and I said well I'm glad to be here too when does church start <laughs> he says oh well let me explain I said, okay please do we're all pastors it's against the law for us to meet this way we have to come here one at a time and we can only get here if individually around the city we can figure out how to get away from the police and if we make it here it's a big celebration because it means our brother wasn't thrown in prison and we're being beaten right now we have a chance to come together and worship and there I was in this big hurry to get church started why are they so excited because we made it we got here and we're okay today and then they sat down in their circle and they didn't say anything else to me they just all started talking at one time now I have this happen to me regularly in Vietnam I can't understand a thing they're saying in the Congo they do this I can't understand it in Chicago I ain't got a clue what they're saying up there either <laughs> so I always do the same thing I go inside my head and I say all right Lord what's been going on in my life lately what have you been doing in my life and for me, I sort of go around the world and I catch up on what the Lord's been doing in my life. So let me do that with you. As early as yesterday, I learned that our ship in the Congo had to be moved. They just had elections in Kinshasa and the rioting is so bad that my staff feared for the safety of our ship. And without an engine in her, they dragged her across the Congo River to Brazzaville in another country so she'll be safe while they ride out their elections. They had to take the new engine we're installing in the boat. It cost us $127,000 to protect that engine. We put it on a ship that belongs to a rebel general friend of ours and had him go out in the middle of the river and just drop anchor just so the boat and the engine will be safe. I go to the Amazon River in Brazil and it's dark. Oh, it's dark. We are chugging down the river. We turn onto a smaller river. Captain High is my captain. He's one of the most amazing people with a big ship I've ever seen. He sends a sailor to come and get me. I'm just lost watching the stars. I go to the captain and I say, what's up? He goes, there's a light in the jungle that's not supposed to be there. I said, okay, there's a light in the jungle not supposed to be there. He goes, no, no, you don't understand. That light's not supposed to be out there. And I said, what do you want me to do? He said, you tell everybody to get into the middle of the boat. Why? Just go tell them. I get all my folks and we get in the very middle of the boat because the sides of the boat are open. 
Captain High takes this huge boat and he dumps it down a jungle river. The jungle's everywhere, and as you're pushing your way through the jungle, all those big branches and tree limbs are coming right onto the boat, right beside us, and it's dark, and we're thinking, Lord knows what creatures are going to fall out of these trees and the limbs, and he's pushing the boat up this river, and it's very frightening. He gets as far as he can go, and he stops, and he gets one of the sailors to take a small boat, and he takes off in total darkness following this light. I don't know how long it took, but he came back, and he said, let me tell you what I found. There's a family back there. They have a candle going because the father has got a horrible case of malaria. And if we don't have the medicine, that man's going to die. We had the medicine. We had the medicine and we saved that man's life that night. Why? Because the light was shining in the darkness and the darkness couldn't overcome it. I go on up to Peru where we just got off the boat in July. We're going up the Amazon River. And when you're going up the Amazon, you're going at a brisk two, maybe three miles an hour fighting that current. We're all tired. We're hot and we're dirty. We've been working with Yagua Indians. It's at the end of our trip. We're trying to get back to Iquitos. And we look across the side of the river. Here's the bank of the river. Then on the other side of it, there's a horrible swamp. And then way off in the distance in this swamp, there are four houses just on the edge of the jungle. They're, they're probably in a straight line about a half a mile away. One of my team looks at me and says, the Lord's just told me we have to go back there and see them. I said, we can't get back there. That's impossible. No, we're going to get there. So they lowered one of the small boats again, and they worked their way up the river into this horrible swamp. They got back to these families, and when they came back, they looked at me and said, this is why the Lord sent us to Peru. What happened? Well, in each of the houses, we shared the gospel. We did some vacation Bible school things with the children. They have no supplies. They have nothing. So we left paper and pencils and crayons and some Bibles. But it was the last house. Their children in the front yard. And we're playing with the children. And the mother came out. And the first thing she said to us was, the nearest church is an hour and a half away by boat. And I don't have a boat. I'm glad you came to see us. And then one of my team members gave her one of our solar-powered Bibles in Spanish. And she said that woman stood at the top of the stairs as they explained to her what this was. And when she hit the button that made it play and she could hear the Word of God, they said that woman stood on the top of that steps and she just burst out crying. As if the greatest miracle that had ever happened had just happened to her. On the other side of the coin, we have a new staff member who's Jack who happens to be Baptist, so of course we call him Jack the Baptist. <laughs> when Haiti collapsed, when Haiti collapsed, a young woman named Migdalena was found under the rubble. To get her out of the rubble, they amputated her right arm as they removed her from the concrete. They got her to one of the hospitals in our area, and Jack was in the hospital just trying to love so many people. We're overwhelmed. They're sleeping on the floors. They're on the mats. They're everywhere. It's just, it's a sight of carnage that can't be described. She loses her right arm, and then they have to amputate her left leg at the knee. You see what I'm saying? Her right arm is gone. Her left leg is gone. She's laying in the bed, and Jack doesn't know what to say to her. He's standing there, and he puts his hand on her shoulder, and someone comes up to him and says, ask her to sing. What? She's barely conscious. Ask her to sing. And so he looked down and said, do you sing? And he said, this woman opened her eyes, 
lifted her voice and he said it was one of the most beautiful voices he'd ever heard. He had no idea what she was saying until she finished the last three words of whatever she was singing was hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And Jack said he started crying. He sat beside that woman and realized that somewhere in her life, someone had taken the time to sit down with her and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in this horribly tragic time in her life, she could still lift her voice and sing. I brought something to show you. It's this. This has been in my car for about a year. If you find me, it's going to be back there a little while longer. You know what this is? Everybody knows what this is, right? It's a garbage bag. Did you know that when the earthquake happened in Haiti, so many children were left without families? That somebody got the bright idea to give these children garbage bags. And during the day, they either put their little possessions in here and carry them, or if they don't have anything, the children tie these around their waist, because then at night, then at night they take these things off and they sleep in these things. They sleep in a garbage bag. They sleep in a garbage bag. It's hard to get to me. I've done this 30 years. I've been in eight wars. You name it, I've seen it. But you see a little kid sleeping on the street in the Dominican Republic in a garbage bag. And I decided I would carry a garbage bag with me until we finished what we're doing. We're building an orphanage in Barahona. Some of you have been there. It's going to take 105 of these little boys off the streets. It's going to take 105 of these little boys out of these garbage bags. I'm so close. We're $30,000 shy of getting children out of a garbage bag. And until it's done, I'm going to carry this with me and it'll be in my car. So I sat there and went around my world. And when I finished, so did they. I looked at the pastor who spoke English and I said, let me ask you a question. What have you guys been talking about? And he looked at me and said, oh, well, it's real simple. We all sit in a circle and we, we talk about what the Lord's been doing in our life recently. And I laughed because I'd just done the same thing. Usually when I come here, you meet me in one of the rooms where we have Sunday school and you're down in the, in the uh, little area down there. Today you had a special class across the street, so I didn't get to do it. But I want you to know that my intention was to come and just stand among you and listen to what you talked about in church this morning when you saw each other. Were you talking to each other about what the Lord had just done in your life or how Alabama did over the weekend? How concerned are you about LSU? Or are you more worried about what Jesus did in your neighbor's life? You know, we're Presbyterian. When we come to church, we generally don't sit and have a cup of coffee and say to each other, let me tell you what the Lord's doing in my life. It just seems to be too personal for us to do. Peter, James, John, Andrew are doing their thing fishing. When Jesus walks by and he says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus walked right up to these fellows and he said two things to them. Basically, obey what I say and you'll have a purpose in your life. You'll understand more about life than you ever imagined. You'll have things to talk about. You will become fishers of men. And I laugh about that because I think if Jesus was walking down the street in Huntsville, he might say, follow me and I'll make you a rocket scientist for Christ. 
<laughs> if he's in Detroit, he may walk down the street and say, follow me and I'll make you a mechanic for Jesus. See, Jesus was meeting those fellas where they were. Just like he wants to meet you the same way. Are you a teacher? Are you a lawyer? Are you a spouse? Are you a mom? Are you a dad? Jesus will meet you where you are and use the skills that you have to help lead others to a Magdalena moment where no matter what you face in life, you'll still be able to lift your voice in praises. And we think what a tremendous honor it would be to lead someone to that loving grace of Jesus. But God, you can't use me. You can't use me. I'm too young, too old, too fat, too thin, too rich, too poor, too dumb, too Presbyterian. You, you can't use me. Jesus walked up to the Presbyterian church and said, follow me and I'll put you on a committee. <laughs> Do you remember the last time I saw you, I told you something real simple. I said, keep alert for the presence of God in your life. If you want to grow spiritually, keep alert for the presence of God in your life. I, I try to apply those things to myself. I'm flying from here to there. I've read the magazine. There's still nothing to do. So I pulled out that magazine that has all the stuff you can buy in it on the plane. And I'm flipping through it. And there's somebody sitting next to me who's sound asleep. I started laughing so loud. I woke this poor man up. And he looked at me like, and I said, just, it, I, I'm, not, I'm not even going to try. I'm just not going to try. I tore the page out of the magazine and made copies of it. Because the Lord was speaking to me. He said, Ben, I want you to read this because I'm saying this to you. But I want you to tell your friends in the church. When they think God can't use me, I want you to tell them, this is what I think about them, and this is what I want them to do. God is talking to you, and he did it through the Sky Mall magazine. <laughs> listen, listen to what the Lord wants to say to you today. You, you are the cheese to my macaroni. You're the horizon to my sky. You're the bacon to my eggs and the laces to my sneakers. You're the jelly to my peanut butter sandwich. You're the smile on my face. You're the gravy to my mashed potatoes. You're the bubbles to my bath. You are the milk to my cookie. You're the ink to my pen. You are the ketchup to my french fries. You are the water to my ocean. You are the icing on my cupcake. Say amen. amen. Did you know the Lord thought that of you? So what does he want you to do about it? It was the very next page. The Lord wants you to be bold, be thankful, be quiet, be original, be spontaneous, be punctual, be a star, be young, be loving, be crazy, be loud, be random, be adorable, be unique, be daring, be obnoxious, be yourself because everyone else is taken. And in those times when the Lord wants to walk up to you and say, follow me, we've got work to do. And your immediate response is, no, Lord, you got the wrong house. You, met, you want the guy down the street. You don't want to use me. Here's what I want you to remember. Christmas is God's gift to us. You are your gift to God. And the Lord will meet you where you are, be that fisherman, baker, fireman, or chief. The Lord will meet you where you are, and if you will simply make yourself available to the leading of our Lord, you will find a life so filled with purpose and joy that when you sit down with your friends, you won't be able to hold it inside. You'll have to tell them.
how the Lord's been working in your life. That's one of the most exciting and wonderful things I know. God bless you. Merry Christmas. And God bless America. Let's pray together. Father, when the light was shining off the Amazon, <laughs> we really didn't want to go there, but you knew that Captain High would, and life was saved. When those four houses were past the swamp, we really didn't want to go there. It's hard to do that, but you said, here's what I want you to do, and they went and lives were touched. When Jack was in the hospital in the DR, that beautiful Haitian woman sang. So many lives were touched by her. Father, we ask you today to remind us that we're the icing on your cupcake and that you call us to be bold and loving. You call us to be ourselves. But you call us to respond when you say to each one of us, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Oh Lord, this day at Christmas, may our gift to you be our willingness to respond. For Jesus' sake we pray and give you thanks. Amen. God bless you.